I still believe. Hello. Hi. And welcome to Cover Your Eyes podcast. Today we're talking about The Lost Boys from 1997. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Holly. Long time no see. I know. Well, we've talked to each other. Yeah. Yeah. But it's been a long time since we did this. Yeah. It has been a long time since we've done this. Getting back in the saddle. We just like to keep people on their toes and be like, when are they ever coming back? Are they? <laughs> I know. <laughs> we don't know. We're like that. We're like that. Um, that person you meet at a bar that you like hang out with and you have a really great time with them. And then you don't see them for like three months. We're like bar friends. Yeah. We're like free spirits. Okay. we're free spirits we have um a lot of other things and so we want to do it when it feels genuine exactly we don't want to waste your time right exactly we're not machines and you don't want to hear machines or robots when you're genuine authentic people with erratic schedules and sporadic lives <laughs> when you open your when you open your podcast app and you go to look for cover your eyes just think i still believe <laughs> that there'll be another episode cuz there probably will be There'll always be something. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so you're referencing the most, <laughs> possibly the most memorable part of the Lost Boys movie. Everyone knows the two Corys and Jason Patrick, but does everyone know this like extra greasy, extra shiny, extra muscly? spandex and chain laden saxophone player from tina turner's band now what is his name timmy capello timmy he does not look like a timmy (laughs) (laughs) his name is timmy capello i like that he didn't change it he's like i know i look like this and my name is timmy (laughs) he's like he's he's big he's like i can be called timmy i can be named timmy it's true He's the only guy who's ever been named Timmy who pulls it off. I mean, even if he changed it to like Jimmy, I'd be like, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see that like a big brawny Jimmy, but like mm-hmm. a big brawny Timmy, it just <laughs> doesn't gel. But good for him. Okay. So yeah. Here's I kind of forgot about that part. <laughs> and when it came on, I was like, yes, this is the best. Ah, he's just so many things that don't seem to make sense together. Like when you look at him, would you picture him playing the saxophone? No. <laughs> no. He rocks out on the saxophone. Would you picture him singing and playing the saxophone at the same time? No. In spandex. Also, how do you get that much oil? <laughs> On yourself. 
and are still able to hold a saxophone. Mm. He must have like baby powder on his hands or something oh. to keep that grip going. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> yeah, when I saw when I saw Timmy, I was like my mouth just dropped open and I I just sat there like, oh yeah, I remember now every time I see this movie, I am completely in shock and awe of <laughs> Timmy Capello. It's <laughs> what is happening. <laughs> he is like an unsung hero of the 80s music scene, I would say. He's a marvel. I paused so this time around when I watched The Last Boys, I paused it and looked up Timmy Capello because I had re- I realized that I had never before had the capabilities to find out more information about him. Because mm-hmm. uh, I haven't seen The Last Boys in like, I don't know, 10 years or something. I mean, I think the internet existed 10 years ago. <laughs> well, I know, but I didn't need to look it up <laughs> 10 years ago. <laughs> it was a lot slower. <laughs> you were still using dial-up and brought in <laughs> 2013. I just remember him from Tina Turner and like that's all I needed to remember I had no idea about Tina Turner Mm -hmm. I think think, do you think they were lovers I don't know maybe who wouldn't want to be Tina Turner's lover (laughs) excellent excellent point yeah so oh my god okay so for people who haven't really seen the lost boys or don't know what we're talking about i apologize why haven't you seen the lost boys more is my question to you Mm -hmm. i've seen this movie like so many times that even though i haven't seen it in a long time when i watched it i knew what they were going to say right before they said it and i was like wow i don't think i can do that with any other movie really yeah Wow. I don't I don't think I've seen any other movie as much as I've seen The Lost Boys. Oh my god. I know that we watched it like a lot. I would say this is like our movie. I know I've said that about other movies, but this is definitely like one of our top 3. Like yes. we fucking loved it, watched it so many times. Now I haven't watched it in a really really long long time, like probably since you and I watched it. Wow. But we watched it so much that I feel the same where I was like, I know what they're going to say. And like all of the little teeny like mannerisms and like little teeny things. I like felt it. I'm like, oh my God, I just love this movie. Like it's in my bones. Mm-hmm. It's so good. I know. Well, Richard Donner, our buddy, uh-huh. produced the movie, The Lost Boys. I feel like he comes up all the time. Um, we've got this mom and her two sons and mike looks like he's about 25 but i don't is he supposed to be a teenager yeah he's supposed to be a teenager i was always i never thought he was i was always like why is this 25 year old guy like (laughs) acting like a kid but i guess he really is supposed to be a teenager like a senior or something in high school an extreme senior yeah he's he's the senior in high school (laughs) that has to shave every day (laughs) yeah (laughs) and all the teachers are trying to like sleep with them (laughs) 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 they're like there's no way you're 18 sorry he's (laughs) then there is 
Sam. Then there's Sam, and Sam is a little sweet boy. He's like, what, probably 12? No. Uh... No, he's older than that. He's like 14. (laughs) Yeah, he's like 14 or 15. Come on. (laughs) I don't know how old he's supposed to be. I'll look it up or something, but he looks like such a little baby. Yeah. So the mom is played by Diane Weist or West or whatever, who's in parenthood as the mom of the girlfriend of Keanu. She's great. Oh yeah. What's the brother? Sam's brother is Michael. Yeah, he's played by Jason Patrick, who later married Julia Roberts, right? Didn't oh, I don't get know. married briefly. Okay, anyway, keep going. Um, okay, so they are driving, and you realize that like she had a divorce. Now she's a divorced mom. She's looking for a job. They're gonna go live with her dad. And they're moving to Santa Carla. And we see all over they're showing like the vibes of the town. And it's a it's a carnivalesque beach town. Um, I feel like they took the cover of the doors album Strange Days and said, We're going to make a town <laughs> built around this album cover. <laughs> That's a hundred percent believable because it's so inspired by the doors, like the, they're throughout this movie. Yeah, and we hear Echo and the Bunny Man doing a version of "People Are Strange" mm-hmm. by the Doors, and there's an alarming amount of missing children posters, or not just children, but missing people mm-hmm. flyers all over the place. So we see that. So we know something's going on. And it, there's this like kind of ominous feeling that sets in because even though it's a beach town, it's like overcast. It's like overcast or nighttime. So it already has an eerie feeling. We know there's tons of people missing. We get to this house, grandpa's house, and it's very organic. It's like everything that he has he found and then made it into the thing that he needed so he's a very practical guy um you could uh, just imagine him being like oh i need to build a fence i'm just gonna go out to the woods and find some nice big sticks really he's kind of like the grandpa i always wanted um he's pretty awesome he is awesome he has a taxidermy room, mm-hmm. which they get the kids get kind of creeped out by. They make it look like, extra creepy in the movie too. I, I remember. Mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like stuff boiling all the time, like carcasses boiling everywhere, and like red light on, and it just looks like, ooh, don't go in there. Yeah. And he's, um, I think he, like, makes money doing taxidermy. Mm, Yeah. I think he's a professional. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And he gives them as gifts to his dates. (laughs) That's how he gets the ladies. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So they get to the grandpa's house, and he's laying on the, grandpa is laying on the porch. And Sam's like, 
if he's dead, can we go back to Phoenix? <laughs> so we know that they don't want to be here. They're reluctant, but they love their mom. So they're going to make the best of a bad situation as they see it. Grandpa's got some rules. One of them, one my favorite rule is that you should not tear the paper mail tag off of the TV guide cover. Because mm-hmm. you're never going to get it right and it's always going to mess up the cover. <laughs> and then Sam's like, well, you know, like, where's the TV? And the grandpa's like, we don't have a TV. And Sam's like, why do you need a TV guide? And the grandpa says, read the TV guide. You don't need a TV. Brilliant. That's one of my favorite movie quotes of all time. (laughs) Yeah. I, I I like to imagine all of the people reading the TV guide when the Lost Boys are on. Mm-hmm. And then not watching it. They go hang out at the. Oh, I also forgot. Grandpa grows weed. That's his other job. Mm-hmm. There's like a ton of weed in the backyard. So then we find out that it's the murder capital of the world. Jeez. Santa Carla. And now, whenever the first time <laughs> I saw this movie, I was like, oh my God. That is this place really the murder? Like I thought this was a real place, and this was the murder capital of the world. I mean, I knew the vampire part wasn't real, but I was like, "Oh, is this space?" Did you though? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I didn't. I still believe in vampires. Okay, so since you're talking about it, then like it is based on Santa Cruz, California, which was at a time called the murder capital of the world, and it was filmed in Santa Cruz. Yeah, so. People really were getting murdered left and right there. Okay. So, Sarah, are you telling me that I wasn't a 10-year-old idiot? No, you're dead on. Okay. Boardwalk. Mike and Sam go on the boardwalk. And they come upon a beach concert (laughs) featuring our favorite, not really, saxophone player, Timmy Capello. I believe that he believes. He's convincing. It's incredibly convincing. (laughs) Mike is just staring at this girl. Like, really staring. Have you ever had a guy stare at you like that in public? Like to think so. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. It's been a while. But I mean, I had that big old brown curly hair like her and it gets attention whether you want it or not. Oh, I know you get attention. (laughs) (laughs) When this has happened, have you found it like, were you like, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by this guy who's staring at me, not blinking. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure if he, I don't know, like Jason Patrick is cute, but he has kind of like a sinister look about him. So I feel like I would be a bit alarmed. Like, if Corey Haim were staring at me like that, I'd be like, oh, it'd be cute. But 
with Jason Patrick staring at me like that, I'd be like, can someone walk with me to my car? I think so, it all depends on the person that's given the stare. Okay. Yeah. So it could be cute. I guess so. You seem like, no, your face is like, no. Well, cute. so I, okay. So I, when I was watching this movie this time, I was like, I was like, oh, okay. I see what, I see what all the hubbub was about uh, Mike, the mm-hmm. older brother, where before I was always kind of, I just, the Mike, I was, I was like, ew, gross, Mike. He's gross. That's we what both I was thought, thinking too. We both thought Mike was super gross. Yeah, we were like, why is he on like the it's funny when you look at it because like he is at the forefront of the poster court yes. game, like in the back, and it's like this was clearly a vehicle all about Jason Patrick. And you and I were just like, Jason, get out of the way. We have no interest in you. No. And then watching it this time, I was like, okay, he's actually like very handsome. But before I didn't even like pay any attention to him. Well, also we were children. Yeah, so I guess and, it's appropriate. Yeah, appropriate and, response. Yeah, but on the other hand, we also had crushes on adult men when we were kids, like true. Billy, like how you were with Billy Baldwin. True, he's true, he true. was like older than probably Mike was when mm-hmm. Mike filmed this, and Andy Garcia. <laughs> oh, right, you also had a thing for Andy Garcia. So, so that, but I guess what I was saying was, um, but yeah, so we thought he was just like, ew. And then, um, but when I watched it this time, I was like, okay, I do understand that he's technically attractive. Mm-hmm. However, there's something about him that makes me feel like he's probably going to murder me later. That is yeah. not attractive. Yes, same. And it, like, yeah. So when he's staring at Star, this girl who's named Star, mm-hmm. we find out like that she's into it. Yeah. She's like, oh, yeah. Hey, buddy. And then we're thinking, okay, she's going to like, they're going to get together. Da, da, da. What's going on here? And then, uh, quickly realize that she is taken by a motorcycle gang Mm -hmm. made up of Kiefer Sutherland and then Alex Winters from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure Ted Theodore Logan (laughs) (laughs) And um, a blonde guy <laughs> named Paul, who I swear to God is Daryl Hannah's brother. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, check him out. He looks like Daryl Hannah. Okay. Um, I should have looked up the actor's name, but I did not. So, so, she, so Star goes with them and you realize that she's being um, owned. Like, there's a distinct sense of ownership. Mm-hmm. And which is funny because also, so the, so Kiefer Sutherland, David, isn't it interesting that his name is David and her name is Star, like Star of David? Oh. And then you realize, like, oh, David probably named her 
Her name's not Star, really. Mm-hmm. Like, she's a runaway. Oh. And, mm-hmm. like, that was my backstory for okay. why her name is Star. Um, so she's she is very vulnerable, clearly. Jamie Gertz, the actress. Yeah. Less than zero. Mm-hmm. She's in that. Kind of plays the same character. Little girl lost. Can't find her way home. Gets taken in by the big bad wolf. Yeah. Needs to be saved by someone who's innocent. It's the same, like, character. I think that's interesting, too, because um, I was equating the whole time, like, this is really, like, in reality, this would equate to, like, a drug addiction, the vampirism. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, and then I was also, I was thinking about that, too, of, like, these are clearly these kids on the bike. They're they're the hooligans, you know, they're the bad kids. They're the mm-hmm. motorcycle gang, the 50s greasers kind of vibe, California surfer vibe going on. There's like a lot of stuff going on with their There's a lot. With their look, you know. Yeah. And I mean, meanwhile, Sam goes to the comic book store where he shows up these two brats that are in the comic book store. The Frog Brothers are like, look, dude, there's vampires around here and you need to keep yourself safe. So we're going to give you this comic book that tells you all about how to kill vampires. And Sam's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, great. He takes the he takes the comic book and he like reads it and stuff, you know. But he doesn't believe these guys. I think he thinks these guys are pretty dorky. Before we continue with this new information about vampires, I have to mention that Grandpa and Sam go for a ride in Grandpa's classic car. Grandpa turns the car on and off. And then Sam's like, I thought we were going to town. And Grandpa's like, that's as close to town as I like to get. (laughs) So here's another indication that maybe things are not right. That Grandpa does not like to go into town. Mm -hmm. So Grandpa also seems like a reclusive old hippie that's like Mm -hmm. self-reliant. So you could see where like he just isn't into people. And you could explain it away that way. Mm-hmm. If but then mm-hmm. you didn't believe in vampires. Right. But then it's like, okay, Grandpa, if you really do know something that keeps you out of town, maybe you should tell your grandchildren and daughter about it too. Maybe alert them. That's a good point. Yeah. But also, If you knew there were vampires actively murdering people in your town and then you had some relatives, say your brother came to visit, wouldn't wouldn't there be a part of you that was like, maybe I shouldn't mention that I think I believe in vampires? 
<laughs> maybe they wouldn't believe me. Yeah, like maybe they'd lock me away and put me in a home and just take over my house. Because they already think I'm this crazy old guy. Mm-hmm. True. Who just, oh, grandpa's stoned again. Yeah. I can see it both ways. <laughs> Something bad's happening. Mm-hmm. It's probably related to Kiefer Sutherland. Because I'm sorry. It Kiefer. usually is. <laughs> But if you're around, there's trouble. Okay, buddy? It's true. It's just, it's just the way it works. <laughs> he just has that look. Like, it just... You can't help it. You know, earlier when Mike was staring at Star so intensely mm-hmm. in that lusty way of, I'm a guy with no boundaries and I want to eat you alive. Yeah. Hello, I love you. Won't you tell me your name? Um, mm-hmm. That would you rather have Mike or David stare at you like that? Oh my God. Mike, 100%. Uh, you look like a David. I see no! on your face. Oh, okay. No! Your face Bro. was like looking like you were going to argue the counterpoint. <laughs> And I was shocked. No, that's not. That's okay. not what was happening. Okay, good. <laughs> no, I was actually just thinking that the whole time, like every time I've seen this movie, I just think about how David looks like he smells bad. Oh yeah, <laughs> he looks like he smells something bad, and he also smells bad. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he always looks. He, you know, he has Jennifer Garner face. <laughs> oh, okay. I can see that. She's like, seems really nice and sweet, but oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. She's always got like a squinty look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It. It's like, is your garbage disposal broke? <laughs> That's that look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mine actually is really quick because I had a like a kind of shot glass whiskey glass thing fell down in it and it's like just the exact size to fit in it and not be able to come out. Oh my God. And I haven't called the maintenance people oh about it yet. So you're about to get the party girl reputation you've always dreamed of. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. <laughs> But yes, um, I would definitely choose Mike. They both are scary, but in like different ways and different degrees. I don't either. In real life. Um, I just know that Kiefer Sutherland always plays the guy that you don't want to take a ride home from at (laughs) night. Like if you work with the dude like and he's like, hey, do you want to ride home? Just say no. Call a friend. Walk. But walk in a different way than he's driving home. Exactly. Really, I find David Keeper Sutherland's character to be a to be an a, adjacent to the character that he plays in Stand by Me. Yeah, he's the leader of a pack, and there's this there's a sexual brutality about him 
that I think is, I always thought if you find yourself attracted to one of his characters, then you might have hebristophilia. Mm-hmm. Also, <laughs> I can see that because he brings like a sexual violence to his to this role and to the role in Stamp that he plays the guy he plays in Stand by Me. It's just like this undercurrent that always creeped me out. David, I feel like David is scary. He doesn't need to be a vampire, I guess is what I'm saying, because I don't find him any scarier as David the vampire than I do <laughs> as his character Stand by Me as like a teenage delinquent. Like, the teenage uh-huh. delinquent Kiefer Sutherland is just as terrifying as vampire Kiefer Sutherland. He feels like a cult leader. His mic gets taken in and hangs out with Star. Star draws Mike into the web. Mm-hmm. And Mike ends up <clears throat> down in this swallowed resort. Mm-hmm. Uh, down in this cave. And there's a giant Jim Morrison poster in the background and david says hey you know this place used to be a resort and then an earthquake came and swallowed it up and now we live here and david's like cool and then they give him some wine and Stars like don't drink that, <laughs> and yeah, David's like whatever. Star, get out of here, you bar wench. And then, like, I don't know. Don't get me started on Star. She's I like the main. Really can't stand her. Okay, <laughs> she. Tell okay, me so more. Tell me more. He follows her, so she's like the North Star because she is Ooh. guiding him. But into darkness. Yes. And then she knows what she's doing. So first of all, it's like she's spoken for by David. I guess they're supposedly dating or whatever. Or they're just like contractually obligated because they're both vampires. So it's like slim pickings. So they're stuck together. And then so when she sees like fresh meat in Mike, she's like, "Mm, yeah. And then she wants to be with him. But she's a vampire. So she really can't be with like a regular mortal, I guess. Probably. Mm -hmm safely so i think she's actually like extremely selfish and she allows him to be drawn into the group she brings him in then they are like all the guys are against him because they see that he wants star and then he has a motorcycle too so they like are like come on follow us and they challenge him and then they go race 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 to the edge of a cliff so that he almost dies and then he's like what are you doing and then he wants to beat david up and he's like you almost killed me and so it goes from like Male aggression, male aggression, fight, fight, fight to bonding, which is like how men often bond, especially when they're super young, like to work something out. They just like fight it out and then they're friends. So that happens. He gets down there and he like wants to be part of their group, even though he seems to hate them. He feels like peer pressure to join them by drinking, just like teenagers of like, I don't really want to drink, but everyone else is doing it. So I'm going to do it. But in this case, it happens to be blood. 
and he doesn't know that. And Star comes up behind him, and she does know it. She knows exactly what's happening, and she's like, "Michael, don't drink it." And it's like, "That's not strong enough warning, Star. I'm sorry. First of all, you're responsible for him being here. Second of all, you know exactly what's going on and what's about to happen to him, and you give him like the most." softly whispered warning that he's about to become a vampire like you should have told him more mm-hmm. she is highly responsible for everything that follows and then she probably secretly didn't mind because she wanted to be able to be with him and like add another man into her mix i don't like her i don't feel sorry for her <laughs> and i blame her i love it <laughs> i do she's annoying Later. Star is basically begging Michael to save her. So she and Laddie, the little boy, who's like, I find him annoying too. I don't know. He just is annoying. And he's wearing this like weird military jacket. And like, how did he become a child vampire? Who knows? They're only like half vampires because they haven't killed anyone yet. So they can still be like saved by having the main vampire killed. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Mike is in the same state now because yes. of Star, pretty yes. much. So, yeah, then she's like, I don't want to be like this. And then she's trying to like make it kind of his responsibility now to help her. And she's like angry at him that he is becoming a vampire. She's kind of like upset with him that he did this, even though she knew what was coming. Do okay. you think that Star sees Mike? as like an archangel michael figure who she's like i can call i can lure the i can get this guy i don't want to say lure i can get this guy to help me by bringing him into my orbit mm-hmm. um that somehow like because she seems like she <clears throat> wants to be saved like she does it doesn't seem like she actually wants to be a vampire Right. But at the same time, it I do understand your point of like if you knew if you did if you were in this horrible situation and you didn't want to be a vampire and you knew that if you lured that your job was to lure men in cuz they were using her to lure I bet David lured the other guys in through her too. Oh, maybe. They do that in cults all the time mm-hmm. where they have, I mean, the the Manson family, mm-hmm. you know, you send the girls in and the men want to go with the girls. Maybe she wanted to be a vampire, but then Vlad got involved. But the, the little boy, they they started to turn him and then maybe she realized it was serious or something. Mm-hmm. Cause it seems like at some point she was into it and like now she's not. Hmm. And she's looking for a way out, which is maybe why you're picking up on like a manip- like it's manipulative. Yeah. Part. Because it's like she is looking for a way out. My backstory for her, I guess, has always been that she was she was like into David. David like lured her in. And maybe there was like one other guy and then she helped lure in like one or two of the other guys that are in that group. 
And then everything was like pretty cool. And she thought, well, as long as I don't kill anybody, like this is okay. Oh, Laddie. I thought he was If his called- name's Vlad, then he's like destined to be a vampire anyway. <laughs> I thought they were calling him Vladdy. Well, that makes sense, but wow. I think it's L-A-D-I, which oh is also God. weird. Okay. But the main question is, like, who turned him into a vampire? Like, what sick fuck of the group chose a child? I think David thought it was funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, I think David probably thought, hey, you know what? A little kid is a good lure. Yeah. To get maybe women. Yes. So we can get women with Laddie and we can get men with Star. Yeah. And I'm the leader. Yeah. So it seems like that was the plan. Right. Now, we also see the the video store owner. Oh, right. <clears throat> the grandpa and the Gilmore girls. Oh, okay. Um, Never watched it. (laughs) David and his crew go into the video store. And the video store guy is like, get out of here, you know. They cause a ruckus. And the mom, Sam and Mike's mom, meanwhile, is like working for at the video store for the guy And also, he's like, hey, do you want a job here? And also, do you want to date me? Right. Uh Uh-huh. You want to go on a date? (laughs) You look like you need a job. You want to go on a date? Right. Um, 80s. And and then she's like, she's like, yeah, this sounds great. And, uh, And so she's like dating him. And then Sam is like maybe video store guy is the head vampire. They test him out. They invite the Frog Brothers over to dinner. Sam prepares a lot of garlic that was supposed to be Parmesan cheese, but it's just mm-hmm. garlic. <laughs> just raw garlic. And the boys, the Frog Brothers, are just sitting there, like, waiting for the show to begin. Um, and their mom and who's, who is Video Store Guy's name? Um, uh, Daddy. I'll just call him Daddy. Ew. <laughs> let's call him Edward or something. Edward. Okay, let's call him Edward. So Edward is like... uh. I think your son is just upset because, like, he doesn't want a new man in your life. That's understandable. You know, he seems like this really nice guy. What did you think about Edward when he shows up, video store owner? Yeah, I remember the first time thinking that he was, like, nice and normal, I think. I I wasn't getting the vampire vibes. And especially because all the tricks that they tried on him didn't work. Like, he could see himself in the mirror. He was able to eat the garlic. I think they threw, like, holy water on him or something. And he was mm-hmm. okay. But then we find out that it's because when Michael answered the door, he, like, invited him in. And you can't invite them in. Because if you do, then, like, all their powers are okay in your house. Like, those tricks won't work on them. 
Yeah, like it's like that was the rule in this Uh the the Lost Boys is that once you invite the vampire and all of your defenses go away. Uh That's what it seemed like. So garlic no longer works. So like I guess the implication is that if he wasn't invited in, he could still come in. I don't know that that's something we'd have to talk to the Frog Brothers about. I have always been a little fuzzy on that part of the whole. I think he couldn't come in. Story. Like he implode when he walked work. through the door or something. If yeah. He just or the, came in on his own. Right. I don't know. But then later the other ones come in uninvited and they're fine. Like the Lost Boys burst into the house. Oh, we'll see then. Okay. So that is right. So whenever Edward got invited in it meant that he he could have gone in uninvited but if he had Mm -hmm. gone in uninvited the holy water would have hurt him the garlic would Mm -hmm. have hurt him all of the traditional vampire stuff would have hurt him but because he was invited in he was immune to it as opposed to the lost boys when david and his crew come in they just force their way in and therefore are not immune to the holy water and the garlic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Manners, people. Manners. It's all about manners. I guess we gave it away. <laughs> but to backtrack, they decide to go kill David and his crew during the day. And Mike is like desperate. He really wants some fresh blood, but he's resisting because he doesn't want to be a vampire. But he's very weak. And he has to wear sunglasses all the time. And Mm -hmm. Sam is sort of dragging him to the hangout where the resort in the ground, which is like this desolate looking area. It's basically like a cave with posters and a chandelier. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it's like. And it's like, why do you think this is cool? I know you're like supposed to be a teenager, but yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, it's a good place to be when it's daylight. Yeah. No, for them, for the Lost Boys, it's perfect. But like, I'm just saying when Mike first got brought there, it's like, Uh, oh, I see. Why did this seem cool to you? Yeah. Why did you want to join them? See, I don't, I don't think Mike thought any of it was cool. I think he just wanted to make out with star yeah i guess i think he just went the extreme way about it i think he went the whole wrong way about everything well yes um okay then can we just talk really fast so like Uh uh-huh blah 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 when he's getting initiated and they're like basically bullying him into drinking and then it turns out it's david's blood so he after he drinks it then they one of the lost boys would come back with chinese food because they're having a rager. And their rager basically consists of the five of them running around the cave yelling, like, woohoo! <laughs> they have like the most Aww. struggling implied fun that I've ever seen <laughs> in a movie. It's like so uncomfortable. It's just like the same five people all the time being like, whoa, we're having fun. And it's like, <laughs> are you? Do you have to say it and try that hard if you're actually having any fun? It's sad. But still, Mike gets drawn in. And then so he's had the wine. 
And then they hand him some Chinese food, which is like the worst Chinese food I've ever seen. They <laughs> hand him just basically a container and they're like, have some rice. And it's just plain white rice. And I'm like, I know <laughs> who orders it. And so he starts eating it. And then David's like, how are the maggots? And then Mike's like, what? This is rice. And then he looks down and it's maggots. So he like spits it out. And then it reminds me of poltergeist. Oh yeah. And then, then he's like, no, I'm just kidding. And then, so he, he has, then David has a container of like noodles and he shows him and it looks like worms. And then Mike's like, don't eat those worms. And then David's like, (laughs) slurps them down. And he's like, they're just noodles, man. That scene, I can't believe I forgot about it. But that scene is like when we understand there's something off, really off about these guys. Like these guys aren't <laughs> just like delinquents. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're making him hallucinate. They're glamoring. David's glamoring him. Classic vampire technique mm-hmm. of making someone else see what you want them to see whenever they go to kill the crew in the cave the frog brothers are really ready for battle they've been waiting for this they're born they were born for this moment Mm -hmm. you can feel it and they've got all their weapons they've got holy water and squirt guns and they're ready so they get in where the vampires are hanging upside down in a cave Mm -hmm. as though they were bats but they're not they're humans hanging upside down and one of the frog brothers says let's get the smallest one first Really? Oh, like they were going to kill Laddie? No, I mean, well, Laddie wasn't hanging. hanging. Yeah, the smallest (laughs) hanging one. So they're referring to Alex Winters' character. So, But he's the smallest guy. So they're saying, let's get the smallest guy first. And I'm just like, don't you want to get the biggest guy first? If you're going to, like, kill people or vampires, if you're going to kill vampires, don't Mm -hmm. we Don't you want to get rid of the strongest one first? Yeah, they did that all wrong. Yeah. Because they knew that they needed to kill the head vampire to revert the others back to human. And in speaking with Michael at all, they should have known that David would have been the leader. There was like no coordination there at all. So they should have gone for David first because you only have one shot at this, really. So they ruined it. Yeah. But also, they're like junior high boys. Yeah. So. Did we it, say that the Frog Brothers, that one of them's Corey Feldman? Did we say that already? Uh, I don't even know if we mentioned Corey Feldman. I mean, that's huge. This is the beginning of the two Corys. This is their first movie yeah. together. Oh. Yeah. It's where they bonded and became bros. Yeah. It's really, it is sad to see. So, Corey Haim is so sweet. In this movie, his character, I was, like, in love with his character. Sam is just himself. And he's not afraid 
to express himself or to be goofy or sing in the bath while he takes a bath Mm -hmm. or anything. He's just like fine with himself and comfortable with himself. And it's a really interesting character because he's also very in touch with his feelings. So he's really an interesting character um, in a movie in the 80s, like a teenage boy mm-hmm. who's just sensitive and like androgynous. And mm-hmm. Somebody that you want to hang out with. Yeah. Who seems fun and is like not afraid to play even though and goof off yeah he's goofy he's adorable yeah he's got the best hair yeah and a killer wardrobe right exactly (laughs) (laughs) he loves his dog he loves his dog so much oh yeah (laughs) it's interesting because whenever we were watching the Lost Boys all the time as kids, we didn't know that Corey Haim and Corey Feldman were um, on drugs and in a like a really abusive system. Like we didn't know that, mm-hmm. and so our experience of this movie was really pure in a way. Because it's not clouded by any information about the actors, really. And then the actors' real lives. And then, like, after we found out about their problems that they had in Hollywood, it's like, it makes this movie feel ominous in a different way because we have two 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 very young boys who were lured in to something very toxic by older men much the same way that david got lured in by the lead vampire and how david has lured in star and how star has lured in michael And it's like, it's just interesting because it's Uh this cycle of violence that it's like, it doesn't matter what the root of it is. The, it's like the mechanism of it is the same. Yeah, you're right. It's kind of like whenever I've watched uh, Eyes Wide Shut the Stanley Kubrick movie with uh-huh. Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise. It's like the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, Tom, do you, dude, do you realize that this movie is like about your life and Scientology? Like, do you Whoa. understand that this is exactly what's happening to you? <laughs> like we're watching an actor play a character where this thing is happening 
he's acting like this thing is happening to him, but in real life, this thing is actually happening to him, but he doesn't realize it. And so it's this, it's kind of like disturbing to watch a movie in that context. Like if Tom Cruise was not in a cult, watching Eyes Wide Shut would not be as disturbing as it is, you know? And I Mm -hmm. feel like it's the same for the Lost Boys. That this movie would be cheesier if it wasn't for the fact that one of the guys is dead and the other kid is now a man, an adult man who dresses like Michael Jackson on a regular basis. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Are still doing that? I think so, yeah. Oh, gosh. So. It can be applied that way. Looking at it as like a metaphor for the like abuse and trauma that was going on and then also for like drug use of getting lured in to that culture too that's funny because i never really thought about it as like a metaphor for drugs really yeah i mean i didn't as a child but like watching it this time i totally did because it's like Michael became withdrawn from his family. He was out all night, sleeping all day, having to wear sunglasses and just like everything was changing and everything looked exactly like as if he were a drug addict. Oh, you're right. God, that makes it even creepier with the Corys. Yeah. Well, I guess I was looking at it because, you know, the video owner, Edward turns out to be he's actually the head vampire which they realize Mm -hmm. when they try to kill the vampires and it doesn't work and then they're like oh wait why why didn't they turn why didn't the half vampires turn back into regular people we haven't killed the head vampire yet and then it's like oh it's edward and edward is like hey i was just trying to make a family Right. So I was thinking about it in the context when I watched it this time of like family dynamics and how toxic family dynamics are like perpetuated through generations. So like Mm -hmm. generational abuse. Um, And yeah, so I guess that was sort of the lens that I was looking at it through or like how a cult works mm-hmm. or a multi-level marketing scheme works. <laughs> yeah. Because it's kind of energetically it is a multi-level marketing scheme. The more <laughs> the more vampires the head vampire has has under him, the more powerful he is, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like kind of yeah. kind of the same as a MLM. Edward, at the end of the movie, Edward's like, the boys need a mother. So he was trying, he basically was getting Star through David to recruit Mike, who would then recruit Sam, who would then recruit the mom. And then Mm -hmm. also Edward is working on the mom from the romance job angle. So it's it's an attack on all fronts to coerce the mother. She's the real target in all of this, we find out. So it's like coercing the mother into being the vampire mama. 
to all of the other vampires that he makes for his vampire family. And his his whole point is that these boys, the lost boys, didn't have a mother. If the implication being if they'd had a mother, they would be good, well behaved vampires. Right. And not these like Jim Morrison wannabe fuck ups that, you know, go around stealing stuff and like act like delinquents and like kill people very obviously. Acting stupid where they could get caught, basically. So I was like, well, this is actually extremely conservative message of <laughs> family values. Right. Like, Edward is clearly someone who finds family values to be incredibly important. Uh-huh. Because he thinks that children who aren't well-behaved aren't well-behaved because they don't come from a two-parent home. Wow. And that a boy needs his mother. Yeah, that's a surprising twist. That was a surprise at the end that he was really just trying to create, like, a nuclear vampire family. But it's like, what is she going to do? You can't control those boys. And they still are going to require, like, human blood, so... Also, they're, like, 25. I know, they're not, like, children. (laughs) Except Laddie. Right. But why would Uh, you ever... You want to be conspicuous as a vampire, turn a child into a vampire. That was... I don't know. That could be, like, a whole other backstory. I don't understand his end goal of, like, his vampirism. (laughs) It just seems... I don't know. They're like his minions, but they like live in a dungeon basically and cause problems everywhere. I don't see anything that he's gaining from them. And it's like, well, he owns a blockbuster on the boardwalk, basically. (laughs) Uh, This is the most lame vampire empire I've ever seen. I don't get it. I think, I think, see, I think that's what happened is Edward initially, he was creating his network of vampires right and he wanted a family why would you start your family with like four basically adults four young adult men who look like they were extras in like a winger or motley crew video what kind of family was he starting at first? Well, and you know, that's an interesting thing that I feel like maybe the writers didn't think through all the way because the it's kind of like the the implication was that like he raised these boys mm-hmm. and that they turned rotten. They rebelled. But like, don't you stop aging once you're a vampire? And well, see, wrong. vampires don't age. Right. Which means that he recruited teenage boys. So why does he want a bunch of teenage boys as his family? Yeah. So then that's the whole other like abuse, weird trauma. Is it, is it to have them work in the video store forever? <laughs> Cause like, you know, teenage boys usually do it. He's like, I'm going to get a video store and I'm going to turn a bunch of these teenagers and vampires and they'll work in my video store forever and it'll be great 
God, that is the worst vampire story ever. <laughs> <laughs> what a waste of power and immortality. I know when I first, the first time I saw this movie, I was totally shocked that Edward was the head vampire. Mm-hmm. Because he seems like a very just conservative, middle-aged business owner that you would never suspect of doing anything illegal or immoral, mm-hmm. just like they usually are. And, he, and he's all, he declares himself as being all about family values. Exactly. Obviously, Edward dies. Yeah. Uh, David gets impaled onto mm-hmm. some antlers. And they're all one big happy family, and they have to raise Laddie, probably. Oh, God. Oh, right. Because Star and Laddie turn back into regular people. Ugh. <laughs> they're the worst. I hate them. <laughs> I love how much you hate them. I really do. <laughs> it makes me feel better because about myself, because sometimes I just really strongly dislike a character in a movie or like an actor in it for no for no rhyme or reason and then i was like oh man maybe i shouldn't be that way but it's fine it's okay I, they're not real people right you exactly yeah it's like i feel like it's good to get that kind of aggression out on like a character not, <laughs> yeah. not an actual person so yeah like jamie gertz like she doesn't need she doesn't need that no she seems like perfectly nice thing with star is i just don't know anything that happens oh that definitely annoys me yeah like feigned innocence yes when she's totally complicit in what's happening i don't like the feigned innocence when you're an accomplice and you're doing it for personal gain because you want to bone michael and then have him rescue you Right. Because you're tired of the same old vampire D that you've been getting for who knows how long. After she turns back into a regular person, she's going to be like, Michael, it's just too hard. All the memories. I, I, they were, I see you. I need to get out of here. I need to go somewhere else. I can just start over. Mm-hmm. And then Michael's like, oh, okay. I thought we were going to get married or something. (laughs) She'd be doing him a favor. Good riddance. Bye, Star. (laughs) But also, if I was her, I'd probably want to go move somewhere else, too. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) But maybe not. If the the vampire problem is fixed, maybe it's fine. Maybe. Maybe it's a I nice don't know. Place it's to better to now. move away. Like when you're a recovering addict, you need yeah. to move away from the place you are surrounded by your fellow users and your sources. Right. Because it's a good too point. hard. So yeah, um, the movie's great. I loved it. Is it. Great. I would watch it again in another 20 years. This time, like my favorite character was the grandpa. <laughs> yeah. He's so wonderful. Yeah. He's like, and at the end of the movie, we find out that. He's known all along that there are vampires. Right. And he has the fence post that he's been carving that he like rams through. It shoots out and goes through the heart of Edward or whatever his name is. Mm -hmm. The main vampire. 
And then he's like, all right, that's over. Give me a moon pie and a Dr. Pepper or whatever it is he keeps in the fridge. His like sugar supply <laughs> under his grandpa shelf. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So he's basically known the whole time. And then so again, it's like, grandpa, maybe you should have mentioned it to your family unless you just really didn't want them living with you and you were willing to like <laughs> let them take the risk. <laughs> And see what happened. He thought, look, they already think I'm some crazy old guy who's like just a stoned hippie. They probably mm-hmm. wouldn't believe me about the vampires. Right. His his daughter would have just went, oh, dad. It's true. I get your point. But also, there's some things I don't understand about Edward's recruitment plan. Yeah. Like, what was Edward's initial recruitment plan or criteria for vampire creation? You know what I'm saying? Like, if I'm a vampire and I'm like, I want to make some vampires mm-hmm. to hang out with, I feel like I'm probably not going to choose teenage boys unless he's actually just interested in teenage boys and he was only pretending to be interested in the mom to make her the mom (gasps) to them but he actually had no like romantic or sexual interest in her oh right you know what i mean so he could just have fun with them and then she could be the disciplinarian there's a lot he should not be in charge of he's making bad decisions Yeah. yeah you need a matriarch in there to bring some reason and order. And to discipline. You're right. Yeah. He wanted to be the fun one. He wanted to be the fun dad. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know how to discipline. But again, is he like raising these kids? Is he raising runaways until they turn like 20 and then he turns them into vampires? Like why? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> what is happening here? It sounds terrible. Like, when I was a kid, I just took all of it at face value. Mm -hmm. But now when I watched it this time, I was like, wait a second here. Because I feel like at the end, there's almost just like this idea that he raised these boys and they just didn't turn out right. Yeah, you're right. So is he counting it as like, he is raising them from birth as in their birth as a vampire? I don't know. I think there's too many unanswered questions there. I guess we'll never know the answers. We'll never know. We'll just have to make up our own. Yeah. Maybe Keith or Keith or Sutherland will come on. The Keith there. <laughs> he can tell us. Um, okay. Do you want to hear any trivia? Oh, yeah, definitely. So I don't have a ton, but. Um, Oh, before we do that. Yeah. Since you have it written down. Um, so I've watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer a lot. Okay. I really think that Joss Whedon got the whole like the way that in this in the Lost Boys, their faces change and then like their foreheads get like puffy and weird when they mm-hmm. turn into vampires, which is like very very similar to 
later Buffy the Vampire Slayer, what happens to the vampires when they go full vampire. Yeah. Also, the very first season of Buffy, the main big bad, as they say in Buffy, was the source of all vampires. He was the oldest known living vampire, and he was stuck in a cave that was created from the earthquake. Ooh. It was almost exactly the same story mm-hmm. as the Lost Boys earthquake resort cave. Yes. Um, so I was like, oh, okay. That's yeah. funny. I think they're definitely paying an homage to it. For and apparently, sure. like the phrase vamp out, they use that a lot in Buffy, and that came mm-hmm. from the Lost Boys. I remember we saw the movie Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But I never watched the show. But I mm-hmm. like the movie. Awesome. So, I don't know. There's really not a lot. Like, we know Richard Donner and Joel Schumacher work together on other movies that we've watched, like uh, Lethal Weapon, too. Mm-hmm. But this is sad. So, kind of, like, about their drug addiction. Apparently, Corey Feldman was already, like, in the throes of drug addiction, like, when it started. And he basically got fired when they were first shooting but then he apologized and like promised to straighten up and then they brought him back and then that might they might not have ever formed the two Corys if he had been fired from this i wonder how that would have changed the course of their lives the frog brothers actually are named to reference edgar Allan poe because they're edgar and Allan. that's obvious then um do you know that Kiefer sutherland's only 17 in this movie <gasps> what oh my god yeah i thought he was like 25 oh i know what so he's literally the guy who shaves in high school every day (laughs) yeah he really is then oh this is cute so jameson newlander who was one of the people in the movie i think he was one of the frog brothers Mm -hmm. he lived in beverly hills at the time of the filming and so on their days off he and Corey Haim would like bike to the beach together and hang out and then call their parents to come pick them up that's sweet yeah he was the other frog brother and then okay did you notice in Corey Haim's room in sam's room he had a big poster of um sam from 16 candles yeah i just realized their name is the same that just (laughs) and then he also had a poster of some other really cool 80s person but then on his uh closet door he had a poster of rob lowe where rob was pulling up his shirt and showing his stomach and i was like oh okay Sam? What's that about? That's progressive Isn't of that you. Interesting. Yeah, I was like, hmm. So apparently, um, was it Joel Schumacher or was it Richard Donner? I think Joel Schumacher put that in there because he had just directed um, Rob Lowe and Saint Almost Fire, and so he wanted that in there for some reason. Right. We should. I don't know if I've ever watched the full one, but that's like an ultimate '80s movie. <laughs> I don't know if I've fully watched it. Okay. It makes me mad. Oh. Wait, here's a little bit about the poster. It says that Sam has a poster of Rob Lowe on the inside of his closet door. It sparked years of debate about whether or not Schumacher, oh, as an openly gay man, mm-hmm. was making a subtextual statement about Sam's sexuality mm-hmm. by putting a picture of a male heartthrob on his closet. Oh, and the closet door. Oh, okay. A reference of being in the closet. Schumacher also has Sam wearing an ear stud, riding a pink bicycle, and being mm. more fashion conscious than any other character. Yeah. Sam is 
amazing. Yeah. You're right. And he's not like really pursuing a girl or a boy in the movie. We don't really know. And that's refreshing for a teenage boy in the 80s. Yeah. That's not what the movie's about. Yeah. The movie's about how much he loves his brother. Mm Mm-hmm. It's really sweet. And when they're like first getting to the house and the grandpa's showing them around and they're like just hanging on each other and like teasing each other. And it's so cute. They have a really cute relationship. And you realize they're super close. Mm -hmm. But. Okay. This is just like other tiny little tidbits. This is kind of interesting. I didn't even know they made this, but so Andrew Lloyd Webber, who made Phantom of the Opera. Apparently, Joel Schumacher's use of music in this film, which is so good, like mm-hmm. the soundtrack is so great, uh, is what impressed him and made Andrew Lloyd Webber hire him to direct the Phantom of the Opera movie in oh. 2004, which I didn't even know they made. Did you? Interesting. I'm not into musical stuff. No, I'm not really either. Okay. Yeah. So, and apparently, Jamie Gertz wasn't going to play the role. They wanted a blonde, but then Jason Patrick had worked with her on a movie called Solar Babies in 1986. Do you know it? It sounds like they'd be roller skating everywhere or something. I don't know about it. But so he got her hired. (laughs) Okay. And then this is kind of like ironic that so the place, the whole thing is like their hangout is in a resort that got sucked into the earth by an earthquake. But the area where that comic book store from the movie is actually got sucked into the earth by an earthquake in 1989. Whoa. Two years later? (laughs) Yeah. Damn. Yeah. That's wild. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Sounds like the curse of the omen. Oh, my God. It does. It does. The curse continues. <laughs> okay, wait. No, wait. I'm sorry. I have to tell you these two other things. Uh-huh. <laughs> because they're too good. Okay, you know Fred Gwynn is the name of the actor who played Herman Munster. Mm-hmm. So they actually considered him to play the heart the part of the lead vampire. Oh we were God. calling Edward, but it's actually Max. Can you imagine Herman Munster? But they do remind me of each other, those two actors. But that would have just been, like, too much. No. That would have been weird. That'd be too weird. That'd be way too weird. <laughs> that, this is even weirder. Max does a great job. Yeah, he does. He's very unassuming, but still kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. And then the last one. Guess who was considered to play the role of David Kiefer Sutherland? <laughs> Bill Murray. <laughs> Bill Murray. <laughs> Bill Murray was going to play David. Almost. This is almost as And good. he was going to be like, come on, dad. <laughs> there was going to be a scene with him and Max. <laughs> <laughs> where they Where they got in an argument about um, how David didn't sweep under the video cassette racks <laughs> at the video shop. Yeah. Okay, what were you saying? It was almost going to be Jim Carrey <laughs> to play the lead vampire. <laughs> because he played a vampire in a movie called Once Bitten in oh, 1985. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, it might have been terrifying. It might have, because he can play serious and dark. 
I mean, I think he can be very scary. Mm-hmm. Even- It'd be hard to beat Kiefer Sutherland for that. Though. I really think Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland was the right <laughs> choice. I'm going to start calling him Kiefer. <laughs> I call him Kiefer. I probably have to correct myself every single time I say his name. That's so I funny. Feel, Just don't like correct it. it. Kiefer. Kiefer. It was like when I was really uh, little, I couldn't say Barry Manilow's name right, and I always called him Barry Bananalo. Oh, that's so cute. And then I now even still, I'm like, Barry Manilow. I don't think that's right. <laughs> I think it's Barry Bananalo. <laughs> and I think it's so funny to even think about a little kid needing to say Barry Manilow's name more than once. <laughs> my, my cousin Marty loved him. Yeah, <laughs> everybody did. <laughs> ah, okay. Um, did I forgot we do questions sometimes? So, oh, you know what? I did want to say something that is so wild about what? how who is going? Who's Herman Munster played by? Fred Gwynn. Fred Gwynn. Okay, so Fred Gwynn is named Herman Munster on the mm-hmm. Munsters. And he almost played the character Max on The Lost Boys, who ended up being played by someone named Edward Herman. Oh. Herman. Is it the Omen Curse? Yes. Also, both of those actors are dead now. Hmm. I think it's the curse. Seems like it. So I feel like that's probably how it would work if I was a conspiracy theorist, only it would be with like government issues and not people's names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the fact that both of those actors would be like 90 now or something. <laughs> <laughs> you can find links wherever you want to find them. Exactly. If you look hard enough. Right. Um, question. Question. I want to know if anybody's ever met a vampire. Okay. Because I know I've met a couple. Like energy vampires? I've met a couple energy vampires. I've also met someone who was like a a role player vampire. Mm -hmm. A role play vampire? Yes. What do you mean? Like, they would have time that they would spend every week where they would go to a place and they would play vampire. Like, they would act like oh, wow. a vampire. <clears throat> and they had, a like, a partner that they would do vampire things with. hmm Wow. That was a, like, willing donor. Mm-hmm. Or like a willing victim, it's like, yeah. It's role playing, you know. I have heard of that. Yeah. I actually have seen that on one of those like, you know, paranormally show kind of things that I watch. And there's a guy. I think he's in New Orleans, and he like says that he's a vampire, and different people come to his house and let mm-hmm. him like drink their blood every week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a. Okay. a Kath- Catherine Ramsland wrote a book on 
vampire, like the vampire underground that Mm -hmm. has a lot of information about people who have this lifestyle. Um, The guy that I knew were, was a friend of the woman I worked for um, a long time ago, but this guy also made leather like, BDSM leather gear, custom leather mm-hmm. gear. They, that's how he made his living. So he was totally, it was like he lived in a different world, kind of, you know? So he really did mm-hmm. live like outside of society. And he was a vampire, you know? I mean, as long as all parties are willing, whatever. <laughs> but what was interesting about that guy, is that when I was around him, I was always really tired. <laughs> so he's like, literal and energetic. Vampire. Like he sucked the energy out of the room. It and I don't. Like and I don't he, mean he does that suck. against uh, any like leather people or anything. Yeah, I've known some other leather people that were like super awesome and friendly and like fun. That was really my first. I had read about stuff like that before. Um, because I've always been interested in like things that are outside of the norm or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when I met that guy, I was like, oh, you can like take things too far. See, I seriously don't care if you want to drink each other's blood. Yeah. I'm totally fine with it. Yeah. Um, as long as everyone's okay with it, then do what you feel. Yeah. Energy vampires are a whole other thing that I'm just like not okay with. <laughs> mm-hmm. That makes me think of what we do in the shadows, which everyone <laughs> should watch. <laughs> Those are the best vampires. <laughs> it's ever. like, I mean, some people just say that's narcissism, and I would probably agree that vampires yeah. are actually just a, a metaphor. You know, you could put. You could put Max, the video store guy. He's a malignant narcissist. He keeps trying to make a son in his own image. Mm. And every time he makes a son in his own image, uh, he fails. Yeah. He fails big time. And then he tries to blame it on a woman. <laughs> All right. So if you know or have known or are a vampire, tell us about it at coverizepodcast at gmail.com. Like of every of all of the movies we've watched for the show, I feel like this is the one where I'm completely biased. <laughs> and I don't see anything in it except that I love the feeling I have when I watch this movie. I feel very comforted and I always have and I'm not sure why. It's why I've seen mm-hmm. it over and over again and like when I was growing up even through high school, like I had this on VHS and if I was ever like upset, I would just like watch this movie. And it Aww. would be very comforting. I guess because, you know, in the end, like, the family comes together. 
Hallmark made a vampire movie. <laughs> I feel I feel like this would be pretty close. Yeah. I think you're right. It's got yeah. family values. I like and Max it. Max espouses family values, but he doesn't live by any of them because he's selfish and he only cares about his own image. And mm-hmm. what and what other people can do for him. Right. So I mean I'm not going to talk about politics, but let's not. Everyone, yeah, I know. Everyone knows. Everyone so. can draw their own conclusions. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yeah, I don't really have okay. anything else. Okay. Awesome. That was fun. It was mm-hmm. nice to see you Me again too. behind the mic. Yeah. And um, yeah. We'll be back. It was good. Sometime. Okay. We'll be back sometime. Thank you for listening to Cover Your Eyes Podcast. I flew too close to the Timmy Capello son. <laughs>